Craft Beer Radio, episode 218, July 15th, 2012. Starting to use the ands and the numbers, huh? Did I? Yes, 218. It's okay. I I'm not going to hurt. I'm not going to jump out of you. I didn't mean to. I, I didn't say July 20 and 7. No, you didn't. Or, 20, or five, 10 and 5, whatever. Today's date was. And, it, and it's a weird thing for me to get stuck up on because I, even though I learned that in school, nobody seems to follow that rule. I try not to say. It's just, you know, sometimes. But. Sometimes my. Uh, it gets the better of you. No, no I understand. I understand. Anyway, <laughs> on to the show. We are doing, well, just a, a kind of a cleanup. We're going right? to tie one on tonight. Yeah, we're, we're going to drink a lot of beers because uh, this is the. Because we can. This. It's a Sunday night. Fear of Breaking Bad is tonight. Nothing to do, but we're going to work tomorrow, right? So, and I had to go to work this morning. So, who cares if I'm a little bit late tomorrow? Mm. And I, uh, I work from home tomorrow. So oh, lucky you. All right, first beer of the night. This is going to be the pre-show warm-up beer because I thought we had done this before. Turns out this is a different iteration of the beer. Yes, this is the before. imperial version. Yeah, this is from Carl Strauss. Uh, they send us their seasonals uh, several times a year. And this is their Tower 20 Double IPA. Their IPA is typically called Tower 10. It's their so Tower 20 IIPA. Uh, Carl Strauss is in San Diego, California. This won a silver medal at the 2012... See, even I do it. 2012 California State Fair for commercial beer competition. Anywho, uh, high alpha centennial hops, Oregon grown crystals and Chinooks, and 9.5 alcohol by volume, 9 SRMs, 100 IBUs. Limited release available in kegs and 22 ounce bottles. Jeff. Yes, sir. What do you think? I think nine point five percent. It does. It does smell it, doesn't it? And you feel it because we had a little bit of this before, and we we felt it. We we typically have a lower alcohol beer mm-hmm. in the pre-show, and yeah, this it's is unusual for us to use a double off. IPA in the pre-show. Um, I don't think it really hits you as, as super boozy. I didn't notice it. I mean, you smell it. You smell a little strength in there, but really, the, the hops are the main part of the nose on this thing. You know, lots of good floral citric hops. It's got a, a little candy. I wouldn't go f- so far into the, you know, into the man candy, into sort of the ideal. Right. Um, it's still it's, it's still a little bitter. It's still a little kind of um, mm-hmm. grapefruity. A little too far into that citrusy mold to to get the the candiest notes to really come through. Right. Now it has a wonderful smell. The color on it, it does pour pretty cl- uh, fairly cloudy. Um, this is you know we just finished off this twenty two ounce bottle. Um, there's not a lot of sediment in the bottom of the bottle, so maybe the beer is just naturally cloudy, and it's not so much the sludge at the bottom. I want to get a little more vocabulary on what I'm smelling, but it just smells like a good double IPA. It's very tasty. It's very drinkable. That's kind of what I like about it most, is that it um, goes down easy, mm-hmm. Um doesn't it doesn't hit you with like this huge like bitter womp? It's not like you know the stone beer or what was it a beer from two shows ago? Uh, where we compared it to stone? I don't remember. I remember <laughs> us, I remember us talking about it. Um, I don't remember the beer. Yeah, this beer has it has a little it has a good malt backbone to it, but really the hops are leading. You know, it, it's in the West Coast style. The yeah. hops, hop flavor, hop aroma are really leading on this thing. You get. Just a, it's good double IPA. You get, you know, pretty much. I don't know, I'm having problems figuring out what to say. I think probably because you know they're all standard flavors, right? You're just getting, you know, a little bit of orange. You're getting actually probably a lot of orange, a little bit of grapefruit, uh, getting a little bit of floral in there. The one I was thinking of was the Tokoboga Red Ale from Cigar City. Oh, okay, yeah. So, by the way, we haven't... I don't know if we've gone into detail at a new website. Yeah, we did last time. Okay. So, never mind. We talked about the <laughs> website. It's funny, you uh, you know kind of cut me off because I was going on the website. Now you want to talk about it. But yeah, new website. Um, slimmed down. 
And I guess the the real key is we're going to start using the social media sites for more interaction with the right. listeners. So we're on Google Plus, we're on Facebook, we've always been on Twitter, and we're going to just kind of try things on those sites and see what kind of following, see what kind of things stick, what kind of things are interesting to people. And since I've started using Google Plus, I really like it. But there's like nobody there. Right, nobody's on Google Plus. <laughs> it's it's like it's like the best tool talking to nobody. <laughs> Yeah, that's the problem is is that Facebook is the one that's got all the users, mm-hmm. and that Facebook is, and, and sort of almost because of that, Facebook is this this kind of mess of information that uh, it's hard to categorize. It's just it, you know the, the the way the feeds work, it's hard to figure. I I have sort of abandoned Facebook for three years now. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like jumping onto it again. So you can handle the Facebook I mean, side of things. So yeah, Facebook is difficult for me. Because I have a bunch of listeners who want to be friends. And that's fine. Except, you know, by default, I see all these things that people I don't know are doing. Right. You know, and, it's, and they've started to make it better. They have made it better. But it's still difficult where Google understands from the beginning that you might want to interact with people that you don't know personally. You know, so you know, that's my biggest problem with Facebook. And, you know, with Twitter, it works. You know, I can follow people that are interesting. People can follow me, but I don't have to follow them if they're not, you know. If if you like beer, but you mostly tweet about um, fixing your car or your kids, if I don't know you, I don't care what your kids are doing type mm-hmm. thing, you know. So, you know, those kind of things where you can choose. But, you know, I, listen, you know, I follow a fair amount of followers who are, you know, beer heavy in their conversations because they generally have interesting things to say. So, yeah, we'll see how it goes. Like I said, we're going to try all the... And we don't have to worry about security um, and spammers and stuff when we piggyback yeah. on these services. So, you know, we're giving up, you know, owning the data and all that stuff. But really, the whole new website, I said this last time, is scaled down to low maintenance. You know, it, it was a thing. hassle. It was a hassle getting that thing working, and yeah. it's, it's good to be rid of it. All right, so that was the Tower 20 Double IPA, IIPA from Carl Strauss. Quite tasty. So next on our list, uh, why don't we go with the, yeah, let's go with the Saison. Okay, so you picked this one up at VE, right? Yes. It's either VE or it was... Um, uh, oh, you went to um, One for the Road once, right? Not one. <laughs> Why can't I remember it? Chalet. Oh, the Chalet. Okay. Chalet premiere. Uh, so the Saison de Buff is a collaboration between Dogfish Head, Stone Brewing, and Victory. This is the Victory version. No, I'm sorry. This is the Dogfish version. Yes, it's in the Dogfish Head label. So I was like, how can <laughs> yeah. it be the Victory version? Yeah, no, because I wires are crossed. It's a 6.8% alcohol saison brewed with parsley, sage, rosemary, rose, rose, rosemary, and thyme. Yeah, we had a few of these back when you know they came out for the first time. I'd be surprised if this is. Dogfish Head. This is a March 2012 release. So okay, so I, Dogfish must be like one of the last ones because we we had the. No, it was I one know. of the first ones. Dogfish was March, the March. Victory was April, and Stone was late May 2012. No. That's really? what it says on the Serious, list. Serious, Clark? My, my mental his timeline is completely screwed up, because I thought it was last year we had the Stone and the Victory ones. Like, like at least seven, eight months ago. <laughs> it's, it, that, okay. That's impossible, Chuck. <laughs> All right, we'll have to go back and look at the history of the shows. I mean, there see. are other collaborations, and it might have been a different collaboration. No, they were Saison Dubuff. Um, I know we had the Stone one, and I was pretty sure we had the Victory one, but hey, who knows? You're looking at the website, I'm not. My bread's filled with kids. Uh, okay, wait a minute. This is weird. Okay, here's what it says on the website, because you may be right, but wrong in a weird way. So Buff didn't really do anything beyond talk about a lot of talk until 2010, and when the three brewers finally got together to jointly brew a beer at Stone Brewery. Saison du Buff was the first brewed at Stone, then replicated each of the other two breweries. Same recipe, same ingredients, three different breweries throughout 2010. Okay. The brewers have a repeat performance plan for 2012. Okay. So it is a new bottle. Yes. Maybe 
Maybe the same formulation, maybe not. But there's going to be three more Saison du buffs, and this is the first of the three. Right. Okay. That Now I'm happy. Now my head doesn't feel like I've been abducted by aliens or something. So uh, so we have had, I guess, Saison du buff before, but this is the new formulation. Nose, spices. You get tons of spices. Um, you know, I, you know, it probably would have been cool not to know. Because I'm smelling some rosemary, I'm smelling some thyme. You know, I think those are the two main spices I, I'm smelling. Uh, yeah, it would definitely been cool to kind of like not know what spices and try well, to pick. I, I wonder if because you know when, when it says parsley, and I was, I'm smelling for parsley, and it kind of has a um, kind of has a mirepoix smell, a little okay. bit. Mirepoix is celery, carrots, and onion when you mm-hmm. uh, okay. when you sauté them together. It has this wonderful aromatic smell. And there's a bit of that. Of sort of the celery aromatic, um, which is a wonderful kind of spicy floral, and that's coming out with the parsley. Yeah, too. I mean, I, you know, I make you know a lot of dishes, right? Call for a mirepoix, so I think I know. And the celery really opens up, and that's probably one of the bigger parts of the aroma. I'm not getting anything that's reminiscent of that. That I do smell thyme with rosemary is a close second. And I'm sure the sage is in there playing around too. It's an interesting aroma, though. Pretty sweet on the flavors. First thing I noticed, lots of carbonation. There's a pile of coasters right up behind the. Oh yeah, there they are. Okay. I did some cleaning. Well, it doesn't look like I did cleaning because we're mid cleaning the next room. But and I organized the desk and it was all clean for a day. And then we put shit on the desk. When I came in, this desk was full of stuff, oh, yeah, yeah. including a shot of one of Jeff's sphincters. You need to clarify. It's an interior ever, Everyone thinks the dirty one. <laughs> yes. Um, no, it was my the one at the top of your stomach, the LES. I had an endoscopy because I've had heartburn forever, and uh, that's the photo right there. So it's a great thing to walk into a room to. <laughs> it, you know, all the sphincters kind of look similar, though. Yeah, they do. <laughs> they serve a similar function. You know, it's it, it just—it's <laughs> crazy. I mean, it doesn't taste saisonny to me. It doesn't have the know, the well, lightness. It doesn't have well. The, the, there's a big sweetness to it, right? I mean, if you can kind of, and I think the sweetness plays well with all the spices. Mm-hmm. But a saison is almost always a very dry beer. Uh huh. You know, so that's kind of a disconnect when you're, yeah. especially if you're you're like, oh, I love saison. I can't wait to try the Saison made by three great brewers. Well, they didn't brew a classic Saison. No. You know, they brewed something that will complement the spices better, is what I'm feeling here. So the Buff Alliance is Brewers United for Freedom of Flavor. (laughs) Okay. I didn't realize there was a problem with Freedom of Flavor. I mean, I don't know whether the First Amendment protects that. I don't think it does, <laughs> nor is flavor really in the Declaration of Independence, but I'm pretty sure there's not it's, any problem with it. <laughs> it's not being kept down. Yeah. Uh, you maybe could make that argument, you know, in the 70s, you know, with yeah. American beer, Wonder Bread, cheese, but, you know, we've got a pretty... It's 40 years later, I think <laughs> things have changed a bit. Yeah. Absolutely. Roma, I'm getting a different Roma now. I'm getting something a little more um, earthy, a little more um, musty in the aroma. I don't know, I'm smelling it now, and it's just it's getting a little more dank. Yes, yeah, a little, a little cobwebby. Mm-hmm. You go to a basement that you haven't opened for a while. You know, it, it's almost like I, if I was drinking this like outside, I'd be wondering, oh, did I let the sun hit it? You know, did it get skunked? You know, I mean, it doesn't really taste skunky, but it's something that like would set off that red flag in my head, saying, oh, did I did I let it sit in the sun for too long? You know? Yeah, it, um, and all the only thing that, it, that had happened to it that it, we could say of anything that really happened to it is that it's a 
maybe cooled down, a, you know, warmed up just warmed a bit. Up. Maybe some of the more volatiles of of those potent rosemary and sage and thyme, you know, oils or whatever, you know, kind of aired out, and maybe you're smelling kind of a harmonizing, you know, the the subtones of the beer. Just down to the grains. Which means that you know the spices play a very important role, and without them, I think it's still interesting. It just it was it, it's, it was more interesting with when the spices it, it's were serious, strong. It seriously changed in like a matter of yeah. five minutes, yeah. which is curious. So <laughs> this is the one time you're going to hear us say this. Probably drink your beer fast. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not sure I'm ready to come to that conclusion. I, I'm more so fascinated about how it changes like that, you know, so quickly, and I'm curious what's next. You know, kind of. Ahead. You think it will keep evolving into something? Who knows? I, I don't know, but I'm going to be looking for that. Looking for to see what happens while this glass is, is still here in my hand. Very light color, probably uh, yeah. two or three on the outside. It looks like your average wit beer, really. You know, it looks like a Who yeah. Garden or something like. Maybe a little more clear than a Who Garden. Yeah, a Who Garden would be more cloudy than this, but it's it's pretty light in color. Nice head, though. Head's worth the price alone. It is. <laughs> price of admission. Mm. Mm. Well, see, it's getting more drinkable now. It's just like, you know, it's you're getting a little... Maybe you're getting a little numb to all the crazy spices. Maybe they've, you know, volatilized away. But now it's like, sit back. Doesn't taste like a Saison. Tastes like some kind of wheat beer with a little bit spicy, but it's quite drinkable right now. I mean, at seven percent, it you know it, like you said, it was it was wasn't nearly dry enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, in order to to balance that alcohol, they have to put in enough maltiness, and just it it caused it to 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 be more yeah more like American wheat alish than a saison. Yeah, there's a little body that. When I say body in this way, I mean kind of a combination of mouthfeel, but you know, almost like this this viscosity slash texture thing. It kind of has that um, Hefeweizen type feel, like maybe like a lighter Hefeweizen. There's kind of that mouthfeel there of, of that, you know. And it, it seems weird that I'm trying to say it kind of sort of tastes like that, but if you tasted it, you, I think you. Well, I don't know if Greg hasn't confirmed my line of reasoning here yet, but it's kind of like, oh yeah, it's. Something you taste in Hefe that you don't really taste in anything else. You know, you get that kind of mouthfeel, that kind of viscosity thing going on. Greg can't go back and double check because he just finished off his glass, so he's going to have to try to recall on what he was drinking. I, I think it's more the, the the interplay of the alcohol and the malt. I don't think that there was anything particular about Hefe except for the fact that it probably used wheat and lighter grains. Okay. So, um, let's drink this one next. This is a beer that we brought home from Savor. It's given to us by the fine fellows at um, Mother Earth Brewing. They're in North Carolina. They, they, go ahead. This is their Sisters of the Moon. It is a India Pale Ale. They prefer a stemmed glass for it. Well... Ta-da. We have stemmed glasses. Not quite the glass they want. They want more of the... I don't know what you'd call this exactly. Yeah, you... Yeah, ours is... It's uh, more of an oval, ours is more of a tulip. Yeah. They kind of... I, uh, you know, I have some corselon glasses that are that shape. Yeah. Um, I think Goose Island's Belgian glasses are that Aren't shape. those, um... Not stone, but, uh... Well, anyway... Yeah, so this beer was smuggled. <laughs> they gave it to you, so, I mean... They gave it to us, but... Yeah, they give you Cuban not, cigars in not, Cuba, too. They're not allowed <laughs> to give... I mean, they were not really permitted to give it to us. So, shame on you, Mother of the Ring. <laughs> but thank you. That's a... Uh, Aggressive, first smell, aggressive. You get um, some pretty, how do I want to just, resiny hops. Uh, you know, there's a big resin type aroma there. 
you know, he used Dank earlier, and there's almost a little bit of that in there. Interesting. They say that their hop back process uses fresh hop cones to take this IPA to unexpected places. I'm unsure of what their hop back process is. So the hop back is almost like uh, when you're running off the brew kettle, instead of running it through, right through the chiller, you're running it through the hops before it gets to the chiller, so you're running your hot work through. So it's like kind of like dry hopping, or kind of like the randle, but imagine putting the randle in the hot side of the brew kettle. That's what a hot back is. Okay. 6.9% alcohol by volume. Same percent as the last one. Looks to be... Uh, it's... it's mm, like golden... numbers out there, right? But yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a rich gold. Yeah. Rich golden cloudy beer. You can, can't really see the finger on the other side. You can tell your finger's there, but you can't see any kind of freckles or fingerprints. They call it light copper. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, if you polish the hell out of your copper mate. Right. It smells nice. Let's give it a go for a taste. Okay. There you go. The I was worried because the nose was like a very aggressive resiny hop, but the flavor there's a big malt, lots of toffee. And lots of malt flavors there that kind of balance out the initial taste of the beer. And I just I just amended what I was about to say because the initial taste, because I got this really bitter follow-up while I was talking, like just raking my tongue like... <laughs> As you were talking, bitter, I got bitter. this bitterness to it. Yeah, and I was like, hmm, are you sure about There's that? There's a big, bitter, you know, late aftertaste on this guy. But I do think they did a good job balancing how many IBUs are in this beer. You know, up front with with a big malt, you know, big malt profile in this beer, definitely different from you know like the Tower Twenty IPA where it was, you know, this there was malt to support it, but the hops were you know directing the show. Where this one, you know, it's it, it has some English ancestry to it, you know, because you know the malt is telling a story there, and then the hops are, you know, harmonizing with it. I am it is a potent slash aggressive IPA that's for sure so trying to compare it to IPAs that I think you know I, I really enjoy mm-hmm. and I haven't there hasn't been one tonight that you know is along those lines of the ones that I like which are the real uh, you know big you know fruity hoppy um, mm-hmm. With some sweetness there, and and the bitterness is kind of is is a little bit lowered. I mean, uh, yeah, I like Bell's um, Too Hearted. I like Dogfish Head Sixty Minute. I like um, I like things along those lines. I like ones that are that are more. You know, the hops are definitely there, but it's really about you know giving you a lot of sweetness to go along with it. And, and this 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 bitter undertone is not my kind of style. Okay. So I'm trying to approach it from the angle of okay, well, as this kind of style of beer has it fit, and I'm just I'm so that's why I'm being a little bit quiet. I'm trying to to program myself <laughs> right, right. Into you're, that you're, mode. you're trying to for a, you know a style that's not in your wheelhouse, you know, judge it against what it's supposed to be. Talk yeah. about what its merits are and what's interesting about it, even though you don't love it. And, and I'm doing some of the same thing, right? I mean, I don't think it's the best IPA ever. You know, I, I prefer something a little less aggressive. You know, this is one where you kind of have to... For me, when I'm drinking it, it's more... How do I want, I'm trying to think how I want to say this. For me, when I'm, when I'm drinking it, you know, it's like... Okay, so this is going to be really bitter, pretty aggressive... No, let's 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 look into it. Let's let's see what's fascinating. Let's see what's interesting about it. Let's see what story the brewers are telling here. You know, so I'm kind of already past the yeah, it's I, not what I would go right out and buy a case of compared to other things. You know, it, it's let's see what is cool about this one. Let's see what we can say. And yeah, that's kind of where I was approaching it already. I mean, it reminds me of 
it's not quite it's not the same flavor but reminds me of what I was trying to do with a beer I had uh, Thursday night I went out with some friends and um, I had two I had four beers I had two East End beers that we've already had before and then I had two beers that I haven't had before and the first one was awesome and then, and then the second one I was shocked by how much I really did not like it and it was the East Ends not East End it was um, the, the East Ends were the two I've had before they were, all, they were good Black Straps out and Big up. The, the the one I didn't like was the Great Lakes uh, Eerie Monster. Oh, the monster, yeah. And it, it kind of has this uh, cooked asparagus flavor to it. Um, like overcooked asparagus. Yeah, I, I'm not a huge fan of that one. It, I think it uses a lot of red malt. You know, it kind of has a bit of an Irish red type um, lineage to it, even though it's a double IPA. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's not like, it's kind of like that um, Tokobaga. Right, it's just not. And it, it's not even that. It, it but, has it but, has that cooked broccoli, cooked asparagus, mm. like just cooked vegetable okay. uh, tone to it. Just, it just kind of was like, all right. <laughs> I mean, I'll drink it, but I did not. I wasn't enjoying it. The one I did love though was the Coney Island uh, barrel aged Doppelbach. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. That sounds good. I haven't had it. Haven't seen it. It's yeah, pretty the, awesome. You know, the, yeah, the. Uh, schmaltz you know they always it's hard to keep up with them because you don't see them all over town and you know yeah you see things like that that you probably won't ever see it again type yeah. thing you know barrel aged doppelbach but that sounds fascinating for sure this one is um the bitter starting to pile on my tongue as i'm drinking it's getting more and more bitter so you might want to uh you know think of having this one with with something to kind of cut it you know it's not. I mean, the thing that the that the the Carl Strauss had over this is is drinkability. I think mm-hmm. that the, you know Carl Strauss didn't uh, didn't push you into this bitter zone. They have some f- recommended food pairings here: blackened tuna, buffalo wings, soy based dishes, pizza, vintage cheddar. All very strong flavors. Uh, obviously, there to wipe your you know, mm-hmm. stuff away. Yeah. Soy based dishes, I can especially see the saltiness. Is it will probably kind of actually go well with this bitterness. Yeah, and like I together. was thinking, you know, like. The usually we talk about the carbonation in beer and the alcohol in beer scrubbing the fat off your tongue from cheese. I was kind of looking at the opposite way, or if you paired this with like a a pretty pretty flavorful cheddar or something like that, it kind of had the opposite. It would kind of pare down the bitterness on this one. You know, it would have kind of it would go the opposite direction of what we typically say when we're talking about beer, beer and cheese. Yeah, there's um you know there's there's some scrubbing, but there's also some sort of you know flavor melding and you know mm-hmm. the whole black and tuna thing that they're trying to mix those. Um, the, the bitterness that comes from those, you know, those dark melanoidins to this, and and soy-based stuff they're looking for to mix the saltiness with this. I'm, yeah, I think sushi would actually go pretty well with this. Just you know, if you're dipping it in soy sauce and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. You know, especially like yeah, like rolls where you're getting a lot of soy sauce in the rice and stuff like that. That kind of flavor. You know, sashimi. Probably not something you'd want to pair with this. You want something a little bit. A little lighter, a little maybe. lighter, so you can really get the fish, you know. All right, Port so, City. Yeah, did you grab this, or did JD grab this for us? It kind of just showed up. I believe that was a JD grabbed beer. Okay, I didn't grab any beers, so yeah, this one showed up in the bag, and I couldn't remember exactly. <laughs> oh, got there, but this was also um, smuggled out of savor. This is uh, the porter from Port City Brewing Company, and uh, they're in Alexandria, Virginia. Yeah, JD, you know, it's JD's local brewery. He's a big fan of the place, so he probably knows. I believe he knows the brewers, so not a surprise. Seven point five alcohol by volume. Uh, Three point five Plato is the apparent extract. This is the first time I've seen that number. That'd be like original gravity. For the original gravity, seventeen point five Plato. Oh, parent extract. Yeah, because three point five is too small of a number. I guess that's the final gravity, but that doesn't sound right. That sounds okay. All right, forty-five IBUs using Magnum and Fuggles hops. Sounds uh, sounds Englishy. Hopefully, it's a. I think we may have had this one before. I can't recall. I believe we have. 
Yeah, because JD sent us a bunch of port cities, and I think Porter was in there. I remember having the whip beer, and if something in a red label, <laughs> the whip beer is a blue label. Porter's a brown label. Surprise, surprise. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it it's only fair we had some DC brow, so we might as well, you know, bring in some other Absolutely. local breweries. Has a good roasty aroma there. A um, little bit of cocoa. This thing I want to talk about because I had broached with you the idea that I want to brew something. Mm-hmm. I want to brew a very decadent, like chocolate coffee porter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the more decadent, the better. And so I've been looking at recipes, and I'm still not sure where to go. And probably me looking at recipes is not the best idea because I have no idea what I'm looking at. Right, right. Yeah, we talked a little bit. You wanted to use a toffee. I was thinking, and, yeah, I want to use a toffee, but most of the stuff I've seen, it's just, you know, you get that flavor from, from your malts, and but the chocolate is more of the addition that you're looking into. So I, I think you get some interesting flavors from some, some caramelized sugar, some toffee. But I, I mentioned, you know, when I did my dolce de leche stout, you know, I used table sugar, you know, straight dolce de leche recipe, not thinking that the yeast were going to ferment the sugars and make it kind of cidery, and that's exactly what happened. Uh I'm going to do it again sometime, but uh, when I make my dolce de leche, instead of using table sugar, I'm going to use dry malt extract. So the sugars in the dolce will be more yeast friendly. You know, it'll make better byproduct. I still think adding the cream to it will be cause will cause issues. So I don't want to get into that zone where I'm adding cream. That's just a head retention thing, really. And if I mean, if you really care about the an awesome head worth the price of admission on your beer. Um, I don't. I care about the flavor. Exactly. So cream. I mean, that wasn't a problem of me putting, you know, two gallons of whole milk into, you know, boiled down and then put into a beer. I didn't have any problem with. The Are fact. you sure that none of the cideriness came from that? Are you positive? It tastes just like fermenting table sugar. That's that's the problem. Well, that's exactly my problem. Well, that's from fermenting the table sugar, not from the milk. Cause There's I lactose in there, though. Oh, right, but when you make dolce de leche, you add a bunch of table sugar to the milk, and then you boil it forever. And it was the table sugar that screwed it up. Are you sure? Are you sure that none of the components... I have not done an independent double-blind experiment, but I am 90... How sure can you be from a hunch? 93% sure? Well, okay, anyway, I'm not going to make my own toffee, so it's it's a moot point. You Uh, should. (laughs) Making your own toffee is yummy. So I, I, so I'm thinking more just a chocolate porter and try to get some toffee notes from from the malt. So we have to figure out a, a recipe. If you can help me with that, if you make the recipe, I will. Like I said, I'll buy all the ingredients. Oh, I don't know if I'm the the recipe. You're you are going to do better at looking at a recipe than oh, I am. Sure, absolutely, but I I can't necessarily. Look at me! I'll formulate a recipe blind and know exactly what toffee notes are going to be there. But well, just uh, all I'm asking you to do is, is is look at a couple chocolate ones and see which one you think will hit the spot. Not make your own recipe. Not like sure. Yeah, we can we can give it a go. Um, you know, maybe Kit from Northern Brewer if you can find. Uh, I want to go right a little kind of thing. little beyond kits. You know, I don't want to do. I mean, I want to try to do it to full extraction. I don't want to do like well, a kits can be all grain. They're just kits because they make they say what the beer is going to turn uh-huh. out like. You know, remember the, like you know Northern Brewer had the Three Hearted Ale, which they had to rename to Dead Ringer because of the trademark issues with Two Hearted Ale. You know, they make kits that clone commercial beers, so you have an idea of what the kit's going to be before you make it. If you can figure out what commercial beer they're mimicking, like um, when I did my weeded IPA, you know, it was a clone of Gumblehead. You know, so. I don't know if I ever had that one. What's I don't that? think I ever had your weeded IPA. Yes, you have. You had it. I know you had it. Well, then it wasn't Gumblehead. Well, no, it wasn't Gumblehead. <laughs> and that's what kind of worries me about a um, a a kit is that is you know I'm not looking for a clone of beer. I want to make something or a clone of a commercial beer. Clones are useful because you know where you're going. Right. You can, you can taste the beer and know where you're going. That's why clones are useful. I mean, otherwise, it's it could be a lot of trial and error. It could be a bunch of batches before you dial it into where you want it to be. 
So, mm. yeah, that's true. I don't know. I just want to make a, a beer. I want to make the beer exactly like I want it first we try. Can make a, we can make a chocolatey porter. Did you say coffee too? No. Oh, okay. I said chocolate toffee porter. Toffee, okay. We can do that. We can put... Um, we can put, you know, sugars in it, or we cannot, but we can make a chocolate chocolate porter for sure. Anyway. This, uh, uh, back to the uh, Port, Port City. City porter. I was smelling it while we were talking there, and I got a bit of... Um, uh, cayenne pepper, you know, a little pepperiness. Note. It's not a spice beer, but I got this nice little rip of, of cayenne on the nose, too. You're nuts. Every time we have a porter now, you're tasting cayenne pepper. Every time we have something chocolatey, you're tasting cayenne pepper. It's, it's, it's kind of funny, but it's weird how you get that. I mean, if you notice, if you go back and listen to some of the beers we have okay. chocolate, he, he notices cayenne pepper all the time oh, i have to retire that then i guess because if i think it's in everything then it's not a useful descriptor good flavor nice full body it's not astringent like you worry some porters are mm-hmm. it just has a full roasty bit of cocoa flavor it's it's hello porter it's really nice if you could accent some of the some of the chocolate more and some of the toffee more. It's this almost is more, what you want to yeah, make. Yeah, more towards what I want to make, yeah. It's it's a hell of a porter. Uh, yeah, it's up there with you know some of my favorites. I'm really enjoying this bottle of Port City Porter. It's very good. Mmm. Mmm. Especially the aftertaste of that is, um, is really nice. It's got the, the caramel. It's got some of that toffee. So it does mm-hmm. have those... Things. Yeah, there's there's um there's just a touch of some kind of sweetness, that, but it, it's it's just just a hint to keep it from being astringent in the after t- you know the finish. It's superb. I mean, it, it's really good. Interesting. They said they, this is a very complex malt character enhanced by yeast freeness. Now, I never would have picked up on the yeasty the notes coming from the yeast here but because they mention it I'm trying to and maybe that's a little bit of what I was noticing because I was thinking there was like something and I didn't want to say this because I was noticing something that was maybe a bit cherry but that's typically oxidation but I'm not getting anything else that's really oxidized yeah you, you can you normally tell oxidation because it is both a little bit stronger uh, a little bit stronger cherry notes, and you know, even gr- good oxidation. There'd also be maybe some sherry. Uh, but there's there's other th- other cues, right? There's yeah. some mouthfeel. There's a little bit of things like that where this doesn't have any of that. It's just so maybe the, that what I was tasting was a bit of a you know a yeasty ester. Excuse me, a yeasty ester that was you know coming through. And you know when you're brewing a porter where you're getting fruity esters from the yeast, it is coming through the malt bill. That's kind of interesting because you don't notice that very often. At least it's hard to get distinct characteristics out of that, right? I mean, yeah. maybe it's always there, but it's 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 and always I, melted in with everything else. I would say it's more plum than cherry too. Okay. I would go, you know, a little little darker, but without being as as acidic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's definitely a fruity front there. That you know, the only other porter that I think in really would be like anchor where it has a big raisin flavor yes but i don't think this is like anchor no this is um it's uh it's a lot more like the american style where it's a roast for but there's just a little bit of fruit in there or something a little plum i guess it's Um, it's adding up to a very very delightful beer yeah this is kudos to you port city yeah this is really good also very smooth. 7.5 can be a little bit noticeable sometimes. This is not noticeable. It has such a creamy mouthfeel. It's almost like there's some lactose in there. You know, it's just such a creamy... I took a big sip to finish it. And and maybe you should... How much you got left? That's a little too much for one sip. But take a big sip because you get... You kind of really just take it on and... You know, it, there's a lot there. It's it's kind of you get a little more creaminess, uh, and actually, 
Carbonation is just right not too. Not just not just creamy mouthfeel, but you do get a little bit of of milky creaminess, like in the just the feel or maybe in the flavor. You get something going on there. That's good. It's very good. So let's do our last Carl Strauss. Let's just take the smoky one for the last. Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll probably uh, recap this one. So we'll just pour smaller samples of this one since it's getting late in the show, and we got two more beers they want to taste. This one and one more. So Carl Strauss has a an award winning beer they call their Red Trolley Ale. Uh, their Red Trolley Ale is a uh, well, it's it's a beer. <laughs> Try to find it's out what a, it is. It's it's like it, a. It, is it a red ale? I'm not sure. Um, it's, it's a red or an amber or something like that. I'm yeah. not. So off the rails is their imperial version of it. They uh, more than doubled their red trolley recipe. Massive amounts of sweet caramel malt and Willamette hops. Uh, so they call it imperial red ale. And it has 8.5% alcohol volume. 32 is the SRM. That's very dark. Ooh, it's copper. the first clear beer of the night. See the fingerprints through the uh, through the glass. It's it's a, it's yeah it's a it's a red, rich amber color. 40 IBUs. Big carom, uh, bready, bread crust aroma. Just. Bowls you over really big aroma on this guy. Ooh, yeah, you're not kidding. Like the like like the like the crust of a rye beer without the the ryeness, yeah. right? So yeah, yeah, like definitely like a thick rustic crust or something. Uh-huh. You get like fresh fresh rustic bread. Yeah, that's kind of the smell that's coming off this thing. There's a little caramel in there too, or, or um, some kind of there's something sweet and sugary that's coming off the nose. Um, see if I can dial that in more specifically. This won a silver medal in the 2012 California State Fair Commercial Beer Competition and the 2012 LA International Commercial Beer Competition. Silver medals both. Who won gold? They don't say. It wasn't them. Took a few more sniffs. Wasn't really getting anything new to say, so now we're on to the flavor. It's pretty drinkable. Huh. After the porter, it's kind of... It feels kind of... It feels... Em- emptier, right? And it's not their fault. It's our fault. No, yeah. It, After it's- the porter, it's, it's kind of like, oh, that tasted good, but... Like it was like the volume was turned down too low. I couldn't tell what was going it's, on. It's a know? little, it's a little candyish, right? I, I guess is, is the best way I can put it. It's it's a little uh, uh, caramel apple. You know, you, you go to you go to a carnival, get a get an apple covered in caramel. It's it's a little bit, it's got a little bit of that going on. It could, I mean, I'm just trying to say, you know, my first sip, and I'm going to try to cleanse my palate before I take a second sip. My first sip it was like it's like it was in a noisy room, and I couldn't hear what you were saying mm. when I took a sip. You know, it was like. You could tell that I was drinking something, but I couldn't really tell what. <laughs> so, all kinds of great dead air there. Us uh, dropping pitchers on tables and <laughs> cleansing palates. It wasn't dead air. There were noises. <laughs> <laughs> I want to clarify. Annoying. Noises. You know, dead air would be just silence. This was noises and, and various sounds of, of things work. being poured. It was administrative work. Yes. Because what and happens when you don't edit your shows? The stuff we used to edit out when, before I had kids. Yeah. The stuff I would painstakingly edit out. I wouldn't go that far. I would. I'd, <laughs> I'd spend like two hours editing an hour show, you know. Take a while. Okay. Hopefully my palate's cleansed. Mm. I'm going back in on the Carl Strauss. Carl Strauss off the rails. Kyle. <laughs> Kyle. Who's, who's Kyle Strauss? <laughs> He's this guy I know. He'll sell you a car cheap. <laughs> well, it has like 100,000 miles on it. Okay. 
Now I can taste it. Now the volume's turned up. Yeah, that's 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 good. Um, lots of multi. It's weird. I'm try- I can't nail it down. There's in the spectrum between bready and toffee. It's somewhere in there, and I can't figure out where. <laughs> That's a big spectrum. I know. That's why I don't like what I had just said because I, mean, I can't figure it out. That's like yeah, between radio and X-ray. <laughs> it's not quite gamma. Between radio and X-ray, but more subjectively in yeah. red scale. And <laughs> and sugar and and caramelized carbohydrate scale. I love how the bread scale goes from bready to toffee. Where well, toffee's not a bread. I revised it to caramelized carbohydrate <laughs> okay. scale. Okay. <laughs> Although I like a bread scale that goes from bready to toffee, <laughs> I wonder what, what's beyond toffee on the bread scale. Uh, you know, ice cream. <laughs> uh, that's why I quickly revised it. This is a brainstorming session right now. What yeah, you- I got a question. Um, mm-hmm. At Saver that I forgot to to, to mention, um, nor really say anything about. The question was, you know, you're you're. What what would you recommend for a beer app for your phone? I was just like, <laughs> my eyes were like, I have no idea. Uh, let me think about that a little bit. Yeah. I'll see if I can come up with something. Because I'm not really a fan of Untapped and Beer B. You know, these four squares for beer. Mm-hmm. Um, it just it, it just adds to the collector mentality. The, i got to check off every beer in the world. I have mm, to taste yes. more and more and more. You know, at times in the show, I, you know, you can argue that we've fallen prey. You know. That's not a bad impulse to want to try things. Right. But it, it's not it's not the impulse but that if, guides but, us. But but if you're okay, so what's bad is having a beer just to check it off your list. You like that mallet? That nice mallet? I need a rubber mallet. I don't have one. For your Batman costume? No, actually, there's a thing. My car has an issue where sometimes the the lights on the dashboard when I gotta bang it. Sometimes, like a rubber mallet would be good for I that. I just got that one. Uh, you probably don't want that one. Paid a fair amount for that one, so I'd be happy with a silicone one, just something I can bang a little. Yeah, bit. That one's a little more heavy than you yeah. need to bang it on your dashboard. Anyway, that's post show crap. Um, what were we talking about? We were talking about beer apps. Beer apps. Oh. Yeah, it's a whole the whole if you're checking off beers just to check them off. You know, drinking beers to find out what's out there, to see what's new, to see what's there. Uh that's fine. But if you're the people that review a beer based on a sample, a two ounce sample at a beer fest, you know, you're just padding your resume. You're just checking stuff off, you know, you're not Yes. <laughs> So, uh, w- what would you want out of a beer app? I guess is a better question. I gotta question. think about it. You know, I don't want to really dive into that. That's that. You know, while it's beer related, it's wild speculation, and I think that's post show uh, inform. You know, uh, right. content. So, if I come up with a great answer before the end of the show, I will mention it. Okay, I'll kind of put it in the background and see what I can come up with. I wanna I wanna talk more about this off the rails because uh, I haven't said enough stuff about it really i'm having a hard time i think this is one of, it in. one of the few red ales that you'll like uh, well I, I, that's definitely it uh, maybe it needs to be imperial you know for you to really for me to for me to get it because how do i describe your average irish red and irish red is probably very different from red trolley Sorry that we don't edit the show anymore because you wouldn't have heard that sneeze. I don't have uh, a cough button. Those yeah. are expensive. Well, we'd have to be in separate rooms even if we had cough buttons, right? No, because I mean you'd hear some of it, uh, but yeah, I, I mean I did it off mic enough. Yeah, but you know either the cough button would have to mute both both mics, which would be crazy, mm. or we'd have to be in like our own sound rooms. 
Put a wall up here with the glass. Yeah, sure. So build up a couple sound rooms. That would glass windows. That would make room. pouring the beers very hard. We'd have to have a little bank teller window. <laughs> that would be awesome. Oh my god, now I want that. Or one of those pneumatic tubes. <laughs> <laughs> now I totally want that. <laughs> it isn't gonna happen. Um, red ales. Okay, so I red trolley probably is not an Irish style red. Right. It's probably not your Killian's. Uh We've had it. Does Killian's even count as an Irish? I mean, that's a they it's a commercial. It, they call it. I meant it. Yeah, well, a, Miller calls himself a pilsner. You know, it's. I, I meant it in a tongue-in-cheek okay. way. Okay. 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 Conway's Irish Red from Great Lakes Brewing. Okay. There right. you go. Okay. But I meant Fine. it tongue-in-cheek. Um, you know, I don't like any of those. I've never found one. That, that is like of the styles that I would would say that I can't judge in homebrew. Irish red would have to be one of them because I. <laughs> oh, it tastes like dirt. Must be a good Irish red. You know, I, can't, I just can't judge it. Oh, um, tastes like dirt's a little harsh if you ask me. But I mean, okay. <laughs> Again, I'm, I'm I'm distilling it down. I'm compressing, compressing my opinion, uh, which is going nowhere. So I'm just going to abandon ship and get back to. Uh, Drinking this beer because I have nothing really to say about it. I mean, I, I, I do mean, you like it? I do. Okay, I that's do something like to say it. about it. it. It's a red ale, a red something, an imperial red something that I that I like. It, it's engaging. It has a very fascinating malt character that I can't put a pin in because it's somewhere on the bread scale between bready and toffee. <laughs> I yeah, Greg's loving that. Uh, I think like a cinnamon bread, but without the without the cinnamon. Well, see, you're getting you know. So the bread scale does go into cake breads. Yes, you know, quick breads sure, and sure. things like that, sure. right? So you know, there you go. <laughs> doesn't doesn't quite. Can hit I kind of put a little bit of wheat in my toffee? I mean, what happened then? You know, like one percent wheat in my shirt toffee. <laughs> I guess it could. It's just kind of be grainy. <laughs> Well, there you go. Now it's a bread. <laughs> so then go to a bread competition. <laughs> Make your toffee. It's got 1% weed in it. It's a bread. Come on. <laughs> exactly. All right. We wrapped up. We're, that's crazy. We took small samples of the red trolley. Unfortunately, I was. All these beers are big. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. All right. Last year of the <laughs> night. Come on, focus, focus, Jeff, focus, Greg. Okay, so uh, our our friend it's uh, Scott at East End makes a uh, smoked lager, uh, rock beer called Blabber and Smoke, and we have a uh, what's the thirty two ounce growler, one this quart is one point eight fluid ounces. Yeah, it's um, yeah, a little over a quart. Swing top. Ah, nice. nice pop. Oh, do you smell the smoke already? No. I popped it open, and you know I'm about 12 inches from the top of the bottle, and smoke. So you'll get in a minute here. Okay. But so this is local to Pittsburgh. You will only be able to find this in Pittsburgh. This was bottled April 6th, you'll 2012. You'll be able to get this beer at the brewery or the growler shop. Or on draft at special select locations around town. And it's almost at the end of the run. They're really pushing it for the fourth for, you know, beer mm. to grill with because, you know, smoke and barbecue and stuff. Um, so it was really targeted for the summer grilling season is the you know time to uh, time to drink. It. So it's pretty rare, first of all, this guy would make a, a lager in the first place. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the loggers take more time in the fermenter, and a lot of small breweries, and you know, East End is one of those, does not have the luxury to logger many beers, uh, especially now that he's still mid-brewery move. He's still brewing at the old brewery. New brewery's gonna be pretty, pretty cool. From what I've I had a meeting with Scott last week, we're gonna do some big things with the East End Brewing website, big little things, but some changes. Can we do a craft beer radio show or something like that? At the brewery? Yeah. I'm sure At the we new could, brewery. I'm sure we could do the hell out of it, man. Let's do it. 
I want to actually do the fermenter, like, you know. Oh, uh, I'm not sure he's going to want to sanitize it after that, but uh, that, that's that's really disturbing, Greg. I've been watching Wilfred, so. Oh, okay. Actually, no, that's a show I need to put on my thing, because I wanted to check it out. I haven't checked, I haven't looked at it yet. Um, yeah, they're going to do all kinds of stuff there. They're going to have, um, they're looking into actually having beer on premise. So you can drink beer on premise. Uh, they have extra space now that Commonplace Coffee is going to actually be roasting coffee in. Wow. So they're kind of sharing, like leasing out the space to Commonplace. Because right now Commonplace has local shops, but they roast all their coffee up in well, Indiana. That sounds to me like an opportunity. A coffee beer of the month type thing. Huh? Uh-huh. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so uh, really cool Get stuff. Get some of that shit coffee, whatever that coffee is. Oh, the Kupi Luwak. The exactly. Civet, this, the, this, the, the civet. When he said shit coffee, it didn't mean bad coffee. It means coffee beans that were eaten by the civet. And then when you poop them out, they collect the beans and make coffee out of it. Yeah, it's expensive. If he can make a beer out of that, though. Um, Founder, mm. or uh, Three Floyds did. Well, so should he. <laughs> yeah, Three Floyds made a Kupi Luwak beer. That's a smoky beer. Definitely is. It's got beer pours golden. It's lighter than any Roush beer that I've had. It is a bright gold in color. So that is kind of <laughs> striking. All I'm smelling own. is like you know when you, when when you uh, have charcoal and you've blown it out and you get that just that uh, smoky. Slut. Yeah, it's, it. it's a little more... Yeah, it, I was going to say from the first whiff, oh, you know, straight Bamberg, you know, Bamberg Rauschmalt, but really it's not as meaty, as as um, hammy as, as Bamberg can be. It's kind of, like you said, it's more charcoal, it's more woody, it's more campfire-y. Yeah. It has a campfire-type smell to it. All right. Uh-huh. Well, it has a fish and a top hat on the label. I can see the fish, if you want to make strain analogies, it's kind of got a smoked white fish kind of <laughs> quality to it, sort of. Uh, it's mostly just the smoke, not the white fish mm-hmm. so much. But you can, you know, when you have smoked white fish, you definitely taste this flavor. Mm-hmm. Um it, it's not elderberry or elderwood. It's not the stuff you get in oh, smoked yeah, salmon. Yeah. It's, it's no, actually, you know, um, it might be hickory because I smoked some steelhead trout, you know, um, over hickory, and it's a very similar flavor to mm. the fish that I got. I got some in the freezer. Can't really thaw it out right away. Otherwise, we could do side by side smoked mm. fish. But it is a swing top, so maybe next week we can do. A or you could thaw, 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 thaw some out for Breaking Bad. It'd be tough to get it all thawed out without like like keeping an eye on it every second. Maybe maybe I'll keep this guy capped until next week, and we can do we can do <laughs> smoke and and fish. And it's funny, you know, it tastes like. You know, it's reminiscent of smoked fish. It uh, it's out for the summer grilling season. Oh, by the way, Scott's vegetarian. <laughs> you can smoke vegetables. You can't. I I, I tried that. Um, didn't maybe I smoked the wrong vegetables. Didn't turn out too. Here's so some well. things I could think of. You could smoke eggplant. Be a okay. good one. It's big okay. and meaty. Uh, you could probably smoke something like asparagus. Um, I tried smoking broccoli. Like that the, bro- the stems, the, like yeah. the, the broccoli steaks. I tried doing that. Didn't I think so it's, well. it doesn't have enough meatiness to uh-huh. it, right? Yeah. It's, it's it's very fibrous. Um, so yeah, we go eggplant, asparagus. But you, I did some squash also. That was a little bit better, but not yeah. Awesome. Squash I could see cucumber, but cucumber doesn't have much flavor anyway. So all you'd taste yeah. is smoke. Um, yeah, but I'm thinking eggplant. I like the idea okay. of smoked eggplant. Maybe you in get... fact, you know, when you if you make a if you want to make the best baba ganoush possible, <laughs> a grilled you know a grilled eggplant over I've made eggplant that was grilled over hardwood charcoal, mm-hmm. 
and I made baba ganoush from that, and it's oh, yeah, awesome. Okay. So you need some spices and some some. See, like I I smoked the the squash. baba ganoush does not take much. It's just eggplant mm-hmm. and garlic and a little bit of lemon. Okay, and tahini. Okay, well, yeah, the tahini. So when I like it was a side, really. I smoked like I was cooking. I forget what I was cooking, but I wanted some veggies. I'm like, hey, let's try to do them on the grill, on the smoker. So I did some squash and some some broccoli steaks, you know, the stem part of it. You know, sliced, like, probably about you know quarter inch mm. thick or so. And uh, the the squash was okay. The broccoli didn't turn out so well. And uh, But maybe maybe I needed to do some kind of spicing, some kind of rub, some kind of sauce to go with it. I just don't straight. know how much. I mean, the thing about broccoli is that, like I said, it's so fibrous. Mm-hmm. How can you get stuff in there? Yeah. It doesn't have that mushy. It does, doesn't yeah, have the. Maybe that's the problem. I've been. Uh, oh, this. Is, I'll say that. I'll try to remember that for the post show. But I've been uh, been making a bunch of kohlrabi. I like that stuff. I like kale myself. Hmm. So now that's done. I think it's it's, it's ranking time. Ranking time in that. Why don't I go first? You, you type in my rankings. Number one beer of the night. Let's see. Well, obviously, I like the Sisters of the Moon so much. No need to be an a-hole. <laughs> uh, you know what? Probably the, the Port City Porter. I already typed that in. Uh, I, you know, just... I think everyone already knew that. Really, <laughs> really tasty, luscious, uh, you know, close to close to what I want to brew. Uh, you know, close to the ideal of what I want to brew. So what uh, I want to brew is probably not going to be as good as that. But, I mean... I would dare say close to perfection. I mean, that bottle tasted so good tonight. Yeah. I I, I, I couldn't want anything else out of a porter, really. I mean, it was just so good. It was... Uh, I, I, I said, you know, maybe a, f- a little bit of gold leaf in there, right? You know, just a tad more decadence. That's about it. Okay. Uh, you know, in... So okay, um, I, I, remind me. I want to talk about the um, the douchebag burger. <laughs> okay. It's awesome. Okay, um, so I, I'd say the off the rails would be number two. I think uh, that was uh, a really delicious. Um, I I think uh, it's especially notable for the creation of the bread scale, <laughs> which I hope will be one of our new memes on the show. Uh, I mean, going from bread to toffee is awesome. <laughs> Probably my next one is going to be the double IPA, the Tower. I think it was nice and drinkable for a double IPA. It wasn't quite, you know, the soup, you know, the awesome stuff that that uh, some double IPAs get to. But it was really pretty good. Um, I'm not a big fan of smoked beers, but I think the Blabber and Smoke came next for me. I I did. Uh, I did pretty, I did kind of enjoy it for for what it was, um, and I'm I'm curious to taste it with some smoked food, mm-hmm. with some smoked fish or something. That'd be really good. Saison de Buff comes next. It was it you know disregard the saison part of it because frankly it's an American wheat. It's a strong American wheat, uh, and. I, I don't see any way in which you would call it a saison except for the the fact that it's named saison. Nothing about it screams saison to me mm-hmm. at all. And finally, Sisters of the Moon. I just I, I did not like the the way the IPA hit me. All right. So thank goodness Greg went first because he put everything in the context, so I could do my rankings and not have to hem and haw about it. Uh, Port City will be my number one. Uh, like I said, I couldn't really want anything else in a porter. It was damn near perfect. Uh, I hope every bottle is is that good. I hope everyone's palate is in the place mine was when you taste it, because damn. Wow. Can I say wow? Can I say wow? That can say wow. You can say wow. It, it deserves a wow. It All was right. pretty good. Um, 
Number. We don't track our wow beers as much as we used to, but okay. We're so jaded that they're hard to come by. Yes. Number two. I'm going to put the Tower 20. I thought it was a really good double IPA. Big West Coast character, but it still had enough malt that it wasn't just hops and water. It wasn't rip your face off bitter. Good balance. Uh, you know, Greg, you know, we talked a little bit about, you know, was it to the man candy? Was it, you know, that sweet hop, candied hop type flavor that just is oh, luscious? It wasn't there, uh, but it was only a couple blocks away. Um, so, so not so bad. Number three, I'm going to put the off the rails. Uh, the the creation of the bread the to- the bread scale which ends in toffee or at least passes through toffeeville um, <laughs> that was good it was hard to talk about but it was a good drink good drink uh, number four much like Greg after you know he put the smoke after the health rails I think and um, it's good hard to drink a lot of that guy you know like it's a big smoke beer. You know, Surgeon General recommends that you only smoke a little bit. And, uh... <laughs> he recommends just a little bit of smoke. Not none. Exactly. He's like, if you had a smoke, you know, a couple every month or so. That's it. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, so, like, you know, I got a little bit left in my glass, and I'll drink it, but I'm glad that's all I have. I'm glad that the it's a swing top that I can recap and enjoy on another day, because um, if you're going to drink this big bottle... Have a lot of in one sitting. Have a lot of friends over, or have a lot of great smoked food to go with it. And then what's that leave? That leaves saison du buff and sisters of the moon. I'm gonna do buff before moon. It was it was more drinkable. Uh, sisters of the moon. It wasn't bad. It just was the most. It was an aggressive IPA. Excuse me. It was an aggressive IPA. And um, why didn't dislike it? It just didn't live up to uh, the rest of the beers tonight. All right. And that's all she wrote. I guess that is all she wrote. And we're 17 minutes into Breaking Bad. Let's uh, get some post show notes so we can go watch Walter oh White. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. If we, if we don't see it right away, we're going to be spoiled. I'm sorry I'm excited. Like, it- you were never like this for Lost. No, I was, but I was always okay because we had it recording. I know. I'm j- We're going to be fine. Part of this is me just having fun and teasing. So calm down. You calm down. Mr. White. Why don't you calm down? You, you are Mr. White. <laughs> How am I Mr. White? Mr. Vice White. Oh, I guess... Hair, hair, hair White. There, I'll change it around, right? I'll use the, the German Mr. and the English White. I'll call your hair White, so... <laughs> but I don't have white hair. Uh-huh. All right. Thank you, everybody, for listening to us ramble for one hour and seven minutes and 53, four, four five, five, six, six. seconds. Um, we got a little more off topic than we like, but there's a big beers tonight. Please forgive us. We'll see you next time. See ya. Thank you for listening to Craft Beer Radio. If you have questions or comments, you can email us at beer at craftbeerradio.com. Craft Beer Radio is released under the Creative Commons license. Visit craftbeerradio.com for more information. The opening and closing music is Last Hurrah, the band The Lights Out. You can listen to more of their music at their website, thelightsout.com. Some people get a longer fuse. Some people's shoulders are big enough for the abuse. They never 